Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Tom Stanfield. Tom is CEO and co-founder of Aslan Training a global sales enablement company appearing nine consecutive years in the Selling Power Top 20. Since 1996, Aslan has worked with many Fortune 500 companies, training over 100,000 sellers in over 35 countries. Tom is dedicated to helping sellers eliminate buyer resistance and cultivate receptivity. He is a featured columnist for CEO World and the author of Unreceptive, a better way to sell, lead, and influence. Thanks so much for joining me today, Tom. Thanks, Diane, for uh, having me on the on the show. I was excited after uh, <laughs> reading about you. I've listened to your podcast, looked at your books. Really excited about uh, being here. So thanks for having me. Oh well, I am excited about having you here as well. So I, I just know I am going to love this conversation, and so are the listeners. So well, I hope so. Hope oh, so. they will. They will. I, I am certain of it. So um, I want to dive right in and ask you why you think buyers are so resistant to sellers. What's going on there? You know, I think it ultimately fundamentally has to do with motive, motive and probably expertise. Um, I think, you know, sometimes I'll phrase it this way. If a customer thought a sales rep was calling and they knew a better way to solve their problem and their, their intent was to serve them and help them solve their problem, customers would welcome the call. Yeah. Right. So they've been trained, I think over, you know, you know, for years, I remember seeing on the cover, like, I think in the 80s selling power, you know, and it had this sort of cheesy sales rep, you know, that was like selling cars. And that's the perception of a sales rep. Well, it's actually gotten worse uh, over the years, especially in the last 10 years, because of the amount of information. So not only do, you know, there's a negative perception about people in the sales role, but it's also now information, the readily available information to, to customers. They like, why not? Why do I need to talk to a salesperson? I can just Google it. Uh, and the amount of information also makes it really difficult to get their attention because they're overwhelmed. So there's a lot of things working against sellers. And McKenzie did a study. Um, I think it came out last year that demonstrated, I was actually shocked by this number. It said customers that are open to talking to a seller when evaluating a solution has declined 120% over the last three years. So that's evaluating. Oh yeah, it's not just meeting, but it's like we're in the process of evaluating a solution. Do you want to talk to a seller? No. <laughs> that's, it's, it's, it's almost tripled. So it's crazy. So that that's really the... And that's kind of what's motivating me to write the book because the traditional approach to selling doesn't convert the unreceptive. It really doesn't mm -hmm. at all. It just pushes them further away. Exactly. Wow. 
So speaking of the book, in the book, you talk about using um, something called drop the rope technique yes. to ease this this resistance. So how does that work? So it, it, it kind of gets helpful to have some context uh, just before I set up that concept, because when someone's unreceptive and you think about it, anytime you're about to meet with somebody, you know, and your, your goal is to influence, it could either be about the vaccine, it could be about something you're selling, it could be about just a personal thing. But your, your, your focus or objective is to, is to change their belief about something, right? They're in one of two zones. They're either open or closed. They're either open to what you have to say, they're open to meeting, or they're emotionally closed. And the, the, the fundamental principle of influence that I unpack in the book is that when someone's emotionally closed, the more you try to sell them, the more closed they become. Like you said, uh, it backfires. Yeah. So if you sell, you lose. <laughs> if you don't sell, you lose, right? Yeah. So it's like, what do I do? And so most people either just run, they either, they either fight or flee, and neither one of those work. So what we need to do is create receptivity. You know, we've got it. And the way I talk about it is, uh, you know, there's two dimensions to selling. There's the fertility of the soil, right? And there's the quality of the seed. So the soil is a receptivity and the seed is your message. So like a farmer understands and knows if the soil's not fertile, the seed doesn't matter. So we got to first create a fertile soil before we plant the seed, our message. So in order to create this fertile soil, and to get people op to open up and to invite you in and ask the question, what do you think about fill in the blank? They've got to be receptive. So one of the easiest ways to create receptivity is to do something called drop the rope. And drop the rope comes from what I call the tug of war principle that, that, that communicates that anytime you're trying to pull somebody to your position or try to force them to do something, <laughs> like when I first got married, my wife would say, put on your seatbelt because she was frustrated that I wouldn't remember to put on my seatbelt. And she was right. And I was an idiot, but I would, I felt like I would rather go through the windshield than do what I'm told to do, you know, because there's this tension, you know, do something. We want control. Humans want control. We want freedom. So dropping the rope and not playing the tug of war, if you will, is when you communicate that, the, that you understand and acknowledge that the customer has a choice or anybody you're talking to has a choice, you know, hey, what I want to talk to you about may not be a good fit for you, or we offer something that's more expensive than what you're doing, that may not be what you need. You know, like I'm talking to my daughter about her first love. And if I say, hey, you, I'm not going to try to tell you who you can and cannot date, it's your choice, I just want you to be happy. So communicating that you're that you're, you know, you're releasing the rope, you're not going to try to force them creates people causes people to move towards you and enter into the conversation it's scary but it works but i will say but i before i stop it has to be sincere yes. thank you <laughs> yes you can't say oh thanks for this little manipulation tactic because motive is ultimately transparent yes. and so if you're trying to drop the rope as a technique it won't work my daughter needs to know i really mean that hey listen i love yeah. you I want you to be happy. You, I'm not, I can't control you. You can date whoever you want. Let's just talk about what's right for you. And I just want to talk to you about you're this new guy you're dating. And she kind of, you know, opens up and, but I gotta mean, I gotta, you know, sincerely mean that. Right. So. right. Okay. So I, I am so with you on this. It reminds me of when I was like in a sales position and okay. I would say to people, um, I'm not going to try and sell you anything. I don't know whether we have something that's right for you or not. Is it worth a conversation? And, and I'll tell you, 
you know, one way or the other, if, if we're not right, I'll tell you. And mm -hmm. it just, it brings the temperature down because they know, yeah. okay, hang on. This isn't a sales conversation. It's just a conversation. It's just a conversation. Yeah. yeah. And what's hard about this is when there's a lot on the line. Yeah. So talk about stake. that. Yeah. When there's, well, you know, you're not hitting your number and this deal's really important or my daughter could be dating somebody that really is not good for her. Or my wife is, is moving in a direction that I feel like it's going to, you know, be something that's going to affect me. And selfishly, I want that to change. You know, we all are in these situations. What I remind myself though, is control is just an illusion. You have no control, <laughs> right? So I go, well, this, this, this fear of losing something, I, I have no control over winning or losing it anyway. So I'm going to trade the illusion of control for the potential opportunity to influence. And so at least I'm gaining something by dropping the rope because I gain nothing by controlling. Matter of fact, not only do I gain nothing, I lose the potential of influence. I mean, it's like they're going to do the opposite of what I want them to do. Uh, and I would just say to people who, uh, you know, or, you know, it's, it's tough to, to let go and not control. Let's just try it. Watch what happens. They don't, I mean, simple things. Like if you just say to somebody, uh, you know, you feel like you're not supposed to wash the dishes, it's their turn. And, and you just say, no, you know, I'll just wash it. I'll, Hey, you, are you going to wash them? Or you want me to, I'll wash the dishes. It's okay. Um, they'll, they'll go, no, no, it's my turn. It's like, it's amazing versus, Hey, it's your turn to wash the dishes. Now they don't want to wash the dishes. I mean, just simple <laughs> things in my relationship with my wife has really changed our, 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 uh, you know, my, uh, how we communicate. Yeah. Right. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's, this is really just fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, talk to me also though, about, um, making the prospect the hero yeah. of the story, it, you know, in order to be able to open a closed door. How, how does that work? How, yeah, that, you know, when I think about the simple way to talk about what drives receptivity, one of them is pressure, which is what we just talked about is like pressure, the, the fear of pressure, the wanting to avoid pressure. That's one of the key drivers and drop the rope is the solution. The other thing that drives receptivity is priority. The customer or whoever you're talking to, if they're not receptive, ultimately what they're saying is they don't think they're the hero of the story. This is about you. This isn't about me because if it was about them. They'd be interested. <laughs> and so as far, you know, so opening a closed door or opening a closed subject, and that's really the two things that are closed. Either the door's closed or the subject. You can get in the door, but they don't want to talk about X. Right. Um, one of the ways to, to, to get them open to the subject or open door is to talk, is to communicate that you know what's on their whiteboard. You, you, at the beginning of the conversation, you can begin the sentence with because you. And I would just challenge anybody who thinks they're customer focused or customer centered or um, you know, that, that believes, Hey, I always make the customer the hero of the story. Cause, and I challenge myself to do this as well. And it's difficult. See how many sentences you can begin with because you, <laughs> so, cause it's very difficult to, Hey, I want to talk yeah. to you th about this because you are, or because you care about, or because you want, or like talk to your kids about doing their homework because you, okay, you don't want to go to college and you don't want a good career, you know, like, how do you make that about them? And so it really a simple, a simple strategy to getting the door open is you got to lead with what's on their whiteboard. 
what are they focused on? What, you know, if they have a, whether it's a real whiteboard or a metaphorical whiteboard, everybody has things they want. You know, they've got something they want and they've got a plan to get there. Everybody. And so even if it's to do less, they've got, everybody has something they want and their plan to get there. And if you can begin the conversation with their whiteboard, they will always, always, that will always get their attention 100% of the time. Uh, you know, another way I would say that is if I show you a picture of you, you will always look at it. If I show you a picture of me, you, like a, you might politely yeah, right, scan it if right. you had to, but, but you don't care. I mean, you know, if I show you a picture of you, of a group of people, the first person you look at is you. So if, if you show them a picture of themselves, they will always look at it. And so that's, that's a simple thing to do. Um, it's not also always simple to know what's on their whiteboard. That hey, becomes that was going to be my question. Like yeah. you, you have to, because a lot of times salespeople assume they know, mm -hmm. which just closes the door even harder. Yeah. It, it, well, and it sometimes when you're prospecting, for example, you have to guess, right? Because, you know, you, you don't, it's not, it's the, the opportunity or prospect isn't qualified enough for you to spend lots of time trying to figure out what's actually on their whiteboard. Yeah. But in those cases, you need to study the people you serve. And so if you are what I call other centered versus self-centered, you study the people you serve and you will find common things that are on their whiteboard. Um, you know, I'm, if you serve a vice president of manufacturing or you serve small business owners or you serve, you know, uh, people in HR, whoever you serve, they all have about three or four or five things on their whiteboard. Yeah. And so the more you study them and spend more time studying about their whiteboard than your products or services, the easier it's going to be for you to guess accurately. Like I can tell you, I, I sell the heads of learning and I sell the VPs of sales. I can tell you what they're on the whiteboard. I've been listening to them for 20 years. They say pretty much the similar things, you know, and so I study what they study. I read what they read. And so I can guess pretty accurately what's on their whiteboard. Like you and I can both guess what's on <laughs> small business owners whiteboard because we are small business owners and because we serve small business owners. And right. so we know, we know what they deal with so because yeah. we, 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 because we intuitively know, but also because we study them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that, that, that is great. It, it does take that um, that sort of energy, right? Yeah. You have to want to do that, just like you want to do all of these things. But it's worth that time is very well spent. It's very well. Well, and you have to be intentional because it, you know, I would most people that I work with train, they 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 really sincerely do want to serve the customer. That you know, they don't wake up in the morning going, "I've got to manipulate people to be successful." That's not their goal. <laughs> But what happens is the gravitational pull to self. That's what happens to me in my marriage. It happens to me in my close relationships. It happens to me at business. There's a gravitational pull to self that's so strong because it's about survival. You know, we have to intentionally stop before every important meeting. And I, I think of this as making a decision, like literally making a decision for every meeting. Am I here to serve myself or am I here to serve the customer. Am I the hero of the story or are they the hero of the story? And even though that's so basic and kind of almost cliche-ish, it actually works because if I don't make that decision, I'm going to default to self. It's like when you speak, Diane, you know, you either are going to step on stage 
your natural inclination is to perform, yeah. get applause, do well, yeah. get, you know, or you're there to communicate. Right. You're there to help. You're help people learn and connect dots. And if you don't stop before you walk on stage, your, your intuition, you know, the gravity is going to pull you to performance. It does to me anyway, maybe not yeah. you, but, no, no. and I have to stop and say, this isn't about me. Yeah. This is about yeah. them. And if I don't do that, uh, and that will move you in a different direction and you'll ask different questions. You'll say different things. You'll struggle to understand things versus deliver your script. Yeah. And then how you're received is so mm, exactly. critically different. Yeah. Mm. Right. And people pick up on it. Oh my gosh. They sure do. It's like what you said before about you have to really be authentic, right? You have to really mm -hmm. mean it. Yeah. Yeah. And what motivates me to do that is, is what I said earlier is that motive is ultimately transparent. I mean, if, I just think about it. It's like if everybody could see the thoughts that you had, you know, yeah. above your head, you know, and they could see it, it like that would be scary. So so yeah. you got to really that's really how it works. People can tell not instantly, but of your 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 filter will break down and your motive will be revealed. You can just sell. you can tell people you're like, I don't trust that person. I don't know why I just don't. I you know, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that person. I don't know why I just don't, you just sense it. And you're bit, I think in, in the book I wrote about, there's like, I think 63 muscles and I can't remember the actual number in your face alone that will reveal. And I've seen it on people that I work with. I can tell like something's going on. They don't like this person. And I'll ask them later, what was up in that meeting? Why, why did you, your face kind of started to contort? He goes, I hated that lady. <laughs> and I'm like, she could tell. <laughs> Well, and in the, the, the meeting I'm talking about, he didn't really hate her, but she was incredibly arrogant. Right. And, and so he was responding to that. And I mean, it was, it's valid, but I mean, she's the customer. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's tough. That, that's, tough. that's a tough one. Right. So, okay. But now speaking about customers, mm -hmm. so a lot of them have really strongly held beliefs and you have a formula for changing those strongly held beliefs of buyers. Can you yeah. tell us some about that? Yes, love to. Um, so, you know, the, a lot of the book is about creating the fertile soil, but then when, as we do that, we also need to learn how to deliver our message in a way that, that can enhance receptivity as we're delivering it. And also just what's the most effective way to deliver a message. One of the first things that I talk about uh, or what I've learned over the years in studying this is people make emotional decisions. It's not just logical. And so when you want to change someone's, you know, dramatically change someone's belief, it's not just about logic. People make emotional decisions and to support them with intellectual alibis. You know, they don't just, they, think, you know, like they come up with a logical reason. So we got to both address the logical side of the brain and the emotion. So the formula is action equals, it's really ABC. Action equals belief plus care. How do we get people to believe it? And then how do we get people to care or emotionally experience the benefit? And so that's, that's one of the barriers is to get people to really emotionally get it. Like, how do we get them to embrace it? Um, and so it's, that's, that's the most advanced skill, I think, for people to learn. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> delivering the message, um, I, I break it down kind of in three areas. You know, this is, this can, this mostly relates to the logical side, but it, it, you know, I think about it as you got to captivate, elevate, uh, and differentiate or separate. Um, 
And captivate again is about you start the sentence with because you, right? So if you're about to deliver your message, whether you're speaking or you're about to point to a new slide or a key point on your slide, or just you're looking at the product or, but you're, this is an important part of the talk, you know, important part of the presentation. If you can begin the, the sentence with because you, because you're currently doing this or because your people care about this or because you said this, that draws them in. Now they're listening to you. And then the next thing you want to communicate is a disruptive truth. What is something they don't know about a better way to solve their problem? So it's disruptive and disruptive gets their attention. So predictability determines impact. The more you can say something that they don't know about or they didn't see it coming, it, it's like it, that gets their attention. And the truth could be a principle. It could be, it could be a stat. It could be research, it could be best practice but it's something they don't know. And then those two things are about them. It's not about your solution. And then the last one is what's your proprietary benefit? What is it that you offer that's unique to you, that differentiates you, that's connected to their problem? Uh, you know, what's, what's, what's on their whiteboard? What are they trying to do? So those are the three elements. And if you can do that in, in that, that sequence, that is the most effective way to deliver a message. It's also the most effective way to position a meeting. It's hard, by the way, to think, oh, okay. Sounds hard. Yeah, it's difficult, but it's also 90% of customers are closed. So we're failing 10, you know, yeah. we're failing 90% <laughs> or 80%, depending on your industry. So, it, you know, the good news is once you learn how to do it and you yeah. develop your messaging, you know, because you say, hey, this solution, and what we start with is our solution, right? Okay, this is a solution I offer. This is what's unique about it. All right, how do I get them excited about it? Or this is, and by the way, the proprietary could be a who, what, or how. It could be what you offer, who, who works with them, or how you do it. So you pick something that's unique to you, that separates you, that, that that's differentiates you. Like, this is the thing. Like, they, they embrace this. I'll be the chosen provider. And then now you go back to, okay, well, why should they care about it? What's on their whiteboard? What problem do they have? And by the way, if you can't connect that dots, you're in trouble because they don't care. If you can't figure out why they care about what you yeah. offer that's proprietary, they're not qualified. Yeah. So you start now, you know, you figure that out and that's where you start. And then you tell them something that they don't know. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. So that speaks to, it isn't about convincing someone that they need what you have. It's, it's, I mean, for me, it's asking enough questions that you understand 
as much as you can about them and their circumstance so that mm -hmm. then when you share you're sharing something that's relevant to them that you know they can that's grab exactly onto. right and that yeah and that does need to happen the right discovery is what i call it is discovery yeah. needs to occur before i deliver my message as a matter of fact right. i won't deliver my message uh until i've gone through discovery if they say well no pitch me i'm like why yeah, I don't know right. what you, you know, it'd be like a homeowner saying, tell me why you should renovate my house. I'm like, I have no idea whether I should <laughs> renovate your house. You know, you know, if you're a Maybe contractor selling, yeah, like <laughs> you're, if you sell, you're a contractor and you know, everybody's doing that now and you sell rent of, you know, you, that's your service. And it's like, yeah. hey, come over and tell me why. I'm like, I don't know why. Yeah. Like, I don't. <laughs> Maybe you should you maybe tell me why. Right. Yeah. And like, and I would love to tell you now that doesn't mean I don't tell you what I do. I do these sure. things, but I don't know if you need me. Right. Let's spend some time talking about what you care about, what's important to you. Yeah. And once you learn that, then you can communicate how you uniquely can serve them. But when you deliver that message, you need to begin the sentence with because you. Yes. And yeah. that's where your prep is. Like when I have, I still have to prep, you know, hours for important meetings because the, because you parts hard, I know how to talk about me, right? but, but talking about them and drawing them in and around every key thing I'm about to say and using relevant examples from their world is hard. Yeah. Especially if is. you're talking technical stuff that you don't really understand. Right. Um, so. Yeah. Which is probably one of the reasons we default to telling. It's easy. You know, yeah, right. Yeah, what's easy is just is to show up, deliver our script, hope they like it, move on. That's easy. And by the way, if that's working for you and you have the you know the best game in town, then you don't have a receptivity problem. But if you want to reach more people, and by the way, more importantly, this is what works in our real in the real world, our real relationships. We care more about our relationships outside of work than we do our relationships inside of work. And so, you know, I mean, I, I mean that like our personal relationships, yeah, because yeah. The, you know, we may have personal relationships in works, but at work, but we care more about our personal relationships. And this is what's, you look at what's happening in society about how people are communicating and the walls that have been created and how just the, right. the I mean, the, just the, to the temperament or not the, to the temperature of, the, of yeah. what's happening. It's like, it's because we don't know how to communicate. Right. Well, because we're doing what you were saying, where we're telling. Yeah. Instead of, fighting. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So um, you said something a minute ago that made me think of a question I wanted to ask you, which is um, really being able to know where your buyer stands and mm -hmm. getting them to really share. Open up. You know, the unvarnished truth with you. Yeah. So, that's one of the biggest that is one of the biggest barriers yeah that i think people actually overlook is they think of discovery as i'm going to ask these questions and you're going to give me these answers that yeah. is not what happens right what happens is you ask questions and they give you they can give you three levels of information they can give you like the facts that they tell everybody they can give you a little bit more you know like some of some more 
of the sort of informal truth, sort of shades of truth. And then the, the, the level you want to be operating at is when they give you the unvarnished, unfiltered truth. This is when they lean in and go, I don't know what we're doing. I have this much money and I don't have enough money to do what you want me to do, but I want to do that. And I got to get approval from this person and I don't know how to do it. And we're currently working with this vendor, but we don't like them, but that guy does, or that woman, I mean, and, and they start telling you things, their body language changes, and they start telling you the informal decision drivers, which is ultimately how they make decisions. And, and really that comes down to how you ask questions and, and probably more important, I guess they probably, because I've never really studied which is more important because I think they're both important, but how you ask and position your questions and then how you respond to what they say. And the response is key. How do you respond to, 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 to the wrong, what I say, the wrong answer? Ah. <laughs> like, the, here's the wrong answer. So what are you thinking? How are you thinking about solving this problem? Well, we're talking to another firm and we really like them and we're pretty far down the road with them. And, um, but I took this call because, you know, you were persistent. Thank you. But we're pretty close to making a decision with this other firm. That's the wrong answer. Yeah. Okay, how right. do you respond? Yeah, to that? So, yeah, so our instincts would tell us to go, well, here's why you're wrong. Yeah. Right. I don't know you. Your receptivity is probably low. Here's why you're wrong. Here's how you draw them in. You go, well, you know what? That's a really good firm. You know, I've heard a lot about them. Uh, now, you can't say that. You, but right. I look for ways right. to complement their choice. Yeah. yeah. They've chosen this other firm. I want to compliment. I've heard good things about that. And, and then I would say something along the lines of, and I, oh, this is where I always drop the rope. And I love when they tell me the wrong answer because it gives me, it gives me an opportunity to drop the rope. And I say, well, that may be exactly what you need to do. I was having early at Aslan when I was hungry, very hungry. We were meeting with FedEx. This was our first real opportunity to land a Fortune 500 account. And I really wanted this account. And so we worked really hard to do a little pilot training program with the learning people. And, and it was going well. And at the end of the session, the head of the division walks in and stands at the back of the room. And so, you know, at the session, I say goodbye to everybody. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, packing up and the guy's still there. And I walk over to Paul, introduce myself and we start talking and he says, uh, so yeah, unfortunately we really can't, probably can't work with you. Uh, learning has, uh, you know, got, already has content from a sales training company and it's free to me. And, you know, so I probably, you know, don't need to work with you, but thank you for doing this pilot program. But he goes, well, so tell me, you know, tell me about what you do. And he was just kind of being polite. And I looked at him and I said, look, if you have a free training program from, from a company like that, that's very reputable, probably the last thing you need to do is, is hire me. Now he went from, okay, I'm saying goodbye to him leaning in. And, and then I said this, I said, if they can provide the unique training for the role that you have, because you have inside sales reps and inside sales reps, there's 18 unique challenges of selling over the phone and selling virtually. And if they can address those, you definitely don't need to work with me. I said, you need to work with them, but I'd be happy to you know provide other insights or share best practices that I've learned in serving inside sales reps, which obviously is what you, what you're responsible for leading. They ended up becoming a customer from that conversation. But if I would have pushed back and tried to yeah, win right. and fight, because when sure. a fight, be, you know, when the debate begins, influence ends. Yeah. 
And yeah. um, well, because you're also pretty much saying to them, "What are you stupid?" Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. You're telling them you're they're wrong. That decision. Yeah. Plus, I just met the guy. I'm yeah. going to tell him what he <laughs> needs to do. You know, and one of the things that we teach um, that I think is so critical in being able to do that is this concept called take the trip. Anytime you seek to influence somebody, there are always two polarized points of view. There's your point of view and there's their point of view. And I th think of the, like you're standing on the North Pole and they're standing on the South Pole, two completely different points of view. Yeah. Paul's like, Paul at FedEx is saying, I already have free training. I don't need to hire Aslan. I'm on the north. I'm on the other side of the world going, we have training that's unique to, to FedEx. Uh, now, I don't know his point of view, but but that's what it was. I've, I have content that's unique to inside sales. Maybe we're a fit. Maybe, you know, I want him to talk to us about our solution. So we got two points of view. So as long as we stay in our two points of view, nothing happens. Right. So I have to take the trip go down there and stand by him and see his point of view until I have that oh moment and go, oh, that's why you're not interested in Aslan. That makes perfect sense. And that oh moment is critical because that's when I start to see things from his perspective. And that's where emotionally I have, there's a shift and I'm empathetic. I'm like, well, he doesn't, I mean, he's running this division. It's kind of cost him all this money to hire us. And this other company is a well-known company and it's free to him. Like I, I can see why he would do that. That makes perfect sense. Well, that draws, that connects us as I get his world and he starts to trust me. And then I feed it back to him. And I say, so you're thinking, here's our company that's reputable. The learnings provide has done all the work and it's free to you. Why wouldn't you use them? And he said, exactly. And so those two things, wow. Oh, and exactly when you can have that Oh moment. And that's really critical. When you meet somebody that you like, I have no idea why you think that way. I have no idea why you act that way. And you take the trip and then you have the, Oh, Oh, because there's always a reason people do something yeah. always. And then when you feed it back to them and they say exactly, that's when the that's when you start to really uncover the truth. Now you have the opportunity and you've built a foundation to now share your point of view. And that is very counterintuitive, but incredibly effective. Wait, I can see that. That makes so much sense to me. It, yeah. It, yeah. Wow. And what keeps us from taking the trip is people say negative things. And then we go right back to our point of view and go, you're wrong. You know, like well, I'm meeting with yeah. my doctor daughter about her new boyfriend, you know, and I know things about him because my son told me he played football with him. And so she starts to say something about, you know, her boyfriend. And I would go, I, my instincts are like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. That's not, I know more about this than you do. You know, let me, let me go to my flip chart and tell you why the three reasons why you need to break up with Philip. And all she's going to do is. And you know what came out of that first conversation is she basically told me about her fear of not measuring up to her brothers and how she felt insecure and Philip made her feel secure being wanted and cared. You know, it's like, I'm like, Oh, I get that. So your older brothers, you kind of you feel less than because they're one's a quarterback and one's a musician. And you're like, and you're looking for your place in the world. And now one of the popular guys likes you. I get that's got to feel really, really, really good. And she said, exactly. 
And so now we're having conversations about who she's dating. And I was able to walk down that path with her through high school. I didn't, I mean, you know, I didn't win every, I didn't, she didn't listen to everything I said, but what she right. did is she heard me. Exactly. And when things worked out that in the way that I, I communicated that they would, and I said, you know, I, I said, here's what the future is going to look like. And she would come back to me because I dropped the rope. She'd come back to me. Oh, you're right. And I didn't say, I told you so. I, you know, I right. sent her flowers. Yeah. Um, but because what, what we want is influence. Right. Right. I, this is so interesting for me because um, we were having a similar situation in my house with my daughter and my yeah. husband and son. It must be a, I don't know what it is, but my husband and son were like, she needs a nee, 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 yeah, nee. Exactly. You know, and I was like, okay, no. A, no, she doesn't. And B, right. I, just let's not, you know? Yeah. And so she and I had conversations and, I, you know, I'm supportive of her. I've right. shared my concern. What well, we were able to have that conversation because I didn't go in with, this is a bad idea. You shouldn't do this. Right. Right. She, yeah. She's got to make the decision. Exactly. Right. I mean, you can't control people. I mean, it's like my mother-in-law had surgery a couple of years ago. It was a life or death thing. She wouldn't eat. Ooh. And everybody walked in her room and they would write on the, the, the whiteboard, here's what you need to do every day. And everybody was telling her what to do. Right. I mean, this is a life or death. And she's like, I don't want to, she's like, I don't want to eat. I just, and we're like, and everybody's worried about her. And, and it was a little easier for me because I'm her son-in-law. I'm not her. Right. I'm not her actual child, right? right? The children are scared. And I just yeah. sat at the end of her bed and I said, why don't you want to eat? Yeah. And we talked for 30 minutes about what she wanted and what she thought was right. And she basically said, I don't want to live anymore. Oh. Like, like, this is too painful. And I mean, you know, we kind of almost cried together. Yeah. And then I said, is this really what you want to do? And she said, no, I guess yeah. I need to eat. And it was like, she had to come to her thing, but she needed right. somebody who wouldn't judge her, yeah. who would listen to her and walk with her to come to the conclusion that she needed to come to. Everybody coming in the room and writing on the foot, here's what you need to do three times a day. And what that communicates is that you don't care. Yeah. You know, you, it's like, you don't care. Yeah. They're, they're a human being. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Yeah. This is why I say, you know, we have to, we have to be, we really have to embrace curiosity. We yeah. have to genuinely want to understand, you know, it's what Stephen Covey says, first seek mm -hmm. to understand before you seek to be understood, right? Brilliant. It's just, Brilliant. seriously, let's just get curious because that's information that we can use exactly. in, in whatever way makes sense to use it, right? Not manipulate mm -hmm. it, but use no. it. Yep. Yeah, you need to, yeah, and manipulation is about motive. As long as you're trying to help people solve problems, it's not manipulation, Yeah. right? But you can help use it to help people solve problems. But yeah, and mm -hmm. I, I love saying that curiosity needs to be a value system. It needs to be part of your value it system. Really I mean, does. it is a value. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, because when you think about it, and that's what listening is. Listening is not about information. It's a statement of value. Yeah. It's like, I care enough about you to hear what you have to say. Exactly. It's not, well, I need this information. And I think too often when we're in sales, because discovery is part of our thing and we're supposed to ask these questions, we think it's an exchange of information. It's actually an exchange of value. Like, do I really get you? 
I mean, you know, some of the, you know, do I care about you? I mean, I've been in meetings where I could tell the guy was distracted and it was a really important meeting. and I really wanted this deal and I needed this deal. And I'm like, I just stopped and I said, are you okay? And he said, man, that was really insightful for you. I'm having this major blow up with my partner and I'm just really not really in this meeting right now. And I said, well, let's reschedule. You know, and he can tell if I care or this is a tactic, exactly. to get, you know, now that's scary to do. Yeah. But, and I don't want to say it worked, but it did, but, <laughs> but it's not about working. Here's what, here's what, here's what I would say. You're always going to sell more if you're other centered. Yes. You're going to be more fulfilled and sell more if you're other centered, maybe not this deal, like this deal, you might have to say, you know what, right. you're not ready for my solution because this is, needs to be in place. Yeah. Or, you know, you, like i I'm talking to a company right now that a year ago I had to say this, I I'm not a fit. Yeah. Right now they're coming. I said, you want to go down this road? Here's what's going to happen when you go down this road. I offer this solution and you're going down that road. And I think this is going to be a problem, but if that's your budget and that's what you do, I can't engage. A year later, they call me back, but I lost that deal, but now they're back. But I will tell you, uh, you will sell more if you serve your customer. And so that's what not that, only sell to them, you'll sell to people they know because mm -hmm. you built that strong trust foundation exactly exactly yep. and they're loyal yeah i mean it, you want what you want is your customer here's what you want you want your customer i, I think of that as you want to be a trusted partner you want to seat yeah. at the table and what you want is a customer to say hey look and i've had this happen we're talking to a competitor of yours okay and we're meeting with them next thursday and you know this is for rob here's the reasons why but we're meeting with them and, and i think you do some of this but i don't know if you do it as well as this company so we'd like to you know we're going to talk to them hey would you join the meeting we want to get your perspective on what they offer that's what you want yeah because what they're going to say because they, they know you're going to tell them the truth they're going to nice. you're going to say hey listen that's pretty good but i can't do that yeah and they they know i'll tell them that yeah. Or I'll tell them that's good. It's better than what I do, but you, you need to be careful that they do this, this, and this. Right. Or you can say, you know what, honestly, I think I do. I offer that and here's why. And they know that I'm open, which is really key to dropping the rope yeah. is to, is to put all the customer's options on the table. Exactly. Put them all on the table. There's, there's, there's only a handful of options. You put them on the table and you say, all of these are acceptable. Use me, use partially me use me later. Don't use me. You know, like there's, it's like, just put them all on the table and then well, walk in. Yeah. And you know, um, I think that salespeople and small business owners need to listen to this conversation and ask themselves the question is what I'm currently doing working well said. And if it's not working, you lose absolutely nothing by doing this, right? <laughs> Giving this a shot. Yeah. You're not going to be in any worse shape. And you and I know they're going to be in better shape. They're going to be in better shape. Yeah. And again, to point out, if the person is open and they're saying, tell me what to do, I want to, I'm interested in buying your solution, product, service, whatever it is. And they're open, the door's open, the subject's open, just walk in and sell them. Yeah. Like a lot right. of these advanced skills. I mean, I still think it's better to be other centered than self-centered because yes. you're going to, you're going to communicate more relevant information. They're yeah. going to be more drawn to you. They're more likely going to embrace you over the competition, but this is for the, exactly for the people you're working with that it, it, it's just, yeah. you're going to, the traditional approach of 
trying to win the argument in court does not work. No. And you know it because you're not getting the deals. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's just, it's not working. Exactly. No, 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 it is not. Wow, Tom, I obviously still love this conversation and appreciate you uh, coming well, on here you. and sharing this viewpoint well, thank and these you, ideas. Diane. So great. Well, I know you're, we're aligned because I, I love your you latest <laughs> book. I love your latest book, Succeed Without Selling. I'm like, that's a good title. I should have said, I, that's what I should have said. That should have been the title of my book. Well, uh, you still can, I think, you know. No, I, I guess. <laughs> it's not trademark. Um, will you tell the listeners how they can find you and how they can find your book, please? Yes. Okay. So the book is called, as Diane said, Unreceptive. Uh, and you can find it in any, uh, any else published by HarperCollins. So it's in all the outlets, uh, Amazon. If you want to learn more about the book than you might see on Amazon, for example, you can go to the book a website and get a download an excerpt. Uh, and that's unreceptivebook.com. Uh, you could obviously uh, check, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn, Tom, you know, it's Tom Stanfill. I'm sure they will be in the show notes uh, or at aslantraining.com. And right. if you, if you're interested in sales training, I uh, would love to love to talk to you. Sweet. Excellent. Oh my gosh. Well, as I said, thank you so much. And listeners, Thank you. You're who we're doing this for. Like I said, this is a conversation. I think you might want to listen to a couple of times and then ask yourself the question, is what I'm currently doing working? And if it's not, give this some thought, get a hold of Tom, get his book, you know, be open, be receptive. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again, on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.